Okay, so Parsha's Tzav is the second Parsha in the book about sacrifices. And just like the Parsha before talks about, this, talks about the sacrifices, so does Parsha's Tzav. But Parsha's Tzav actually begins with a law about the menorah. Torah says that um, the menorah has to always have a constant flame. Um, doesn't literally mean constant. It has to be lit. Was lit every evening, and it would last until the morning, except for one candle, the Ner Maravi, the Western candle. There's an argument exactly which candle was called the Western candle, but one of the candles, uh, the Menorah in the base Hamikdash, had a miracle happen with it every single day, that it lasted from for 24 hours. There was enough oil to last for 12 hours till the, for the longest nights of the month of Tevis, but it couldn't last for 24 hours. But one of the candles had a miracle that it lasts all the time. So there was one candle which was consistent, <coughs> always, always burning, but uh, until it was extinguished to be relit again. But the, um, uh, the, the simple meaning of the Menorah being lit constantly means that it was lit every day. Tamid consistently doesn't literally mean all the time. It means uh, doesn't doesn't mean literally it was always lit, but that it was consistently lit. So Rashi says that the fire for the menorah had to be taken from another place which also had a constant fire. It says about the uh, altar, the external altar, the altar where the sacrifices were brought in the more exterior area in the Beis HaMikdash, the mm-hmm. fire for the menorah had to be taken from that altar. From that altar, they will light, they take a fire, and, then from that, and they will light that fire on the, on the, uh, uh, the menorah. And the Gemara in Yuma, page Nunhei, Beis says uh, that since it says the word Tom, it says the word consistent, by the fire of the Mizbeach, and it says we're consistent by the fire of the Menera. So that's why we know that one has to be taken from the other. You have to light the Menera from the fire of the um, of the uh, light. The, you have to light the Menera from the fire of the altar. The um, there's actually a question in Halacha. Uh, what do you do if there is no altar? Do you still have to light the menorah? Is the obligation of lighting the menorah from the altar, is that an obligation that has to do with the menorah? Or is that an obligation which has, which has to do with the altar? If it's an obligation which has to do with the altar, the altar needs to impart its flame to the menorah, so then even if there's no altar, you can still light the menorah. But if it's a law in the menorah, the menorah can only be lit from the altar... So then, the, uh, then the, if there is no altar, you cannot light a menorah, because the, the menorah can only be lit from the fire of the altar. So halakhically, it seems that um, it's a law in the uh, menorah, that the menorah needs to have its fire from, from, the, from the altar. Uh, but from Rashi, it looks like that uh, it's a law on the altar that the fire, the menorah, can also come from the menorah. But either way, we 
want to understand something today. Everything in the Beis HaMikdash exists in each of us. The truth is that every law in the Torah has a spiritual message. The word Torah means lesson. But this is especially true for the, uh, the items that are associated with the Beis HaMikdash because regarding the Beis HaMikdash it says, make for me a sanctuary and I'll dwell within them. And our sages say the reason why Hashem uses the plural for the Beis HaMikdash, even though there was only one Beis HaMikdash standing at a time, there was, there was more than one, there was the, the Mishkan, but in each uh, generation, when the temple stood, it only, there was only one of them. Why does it say, I'll dwell within them? So their sages explain that this is not just a, a commandment about making one home for Hashem, rather, the commandment is that every individual is meant to make themselves a a home for Hashem, and it's really a, something which, which is not so easy to to uh, internalize. That Hashem really wants us to be His His uh, temple. That's a fact. And that's the reason we wake up in the morning, wash our hands. We're washing our hands like the Kohen would wash his hands before going into the into the base of Megiddo. Show too before we, we begin the day, we wash off all negative things. We wash off not just physically washing our hands, but it also represents that we're rejecting anything that is unholy and not good that is incongruous with our being a, a home for Hashem, being a place that godliness can, can reveal itself and, and, and connect to the world. So just like in the Beis HaMikdash, there were two general sections. There was the outer area, the courtyard, and there was the Hechel, there was the inner sanctum, so too, in each of us, we also have a courtyard and we have an inner sanctum. And the various vessels that were used in the courtyard or that were used in the inner sanctum are parallel to uh, ourselves. In fact, there's a book from the Ramah. The Ramah writes, did I just knock you guys offline by mistake? Yes. I don't know how I did that. The Ramah writes that uh, the Ramon writes that he wrote a book called Teresa Ela, and in that book he describes how every single facet of our bodies and the mitzvahs, how they are parallel and they were given to us so that we can be a mikdash, we can be a home for Hashem. And just like in the Beis HaMikdash, there was an inner sanctum, there was, and there was the courtyard, and there were different things done in those, those places. The external part of the temple, the courtyard of the temple, was about elevating the world, the outside. You took an animal, and you a physical animal, and you brought the animal as a sacrifice to Hashem. You took something which was, which was physical, which was unholy, and you took this unholy thing and you brought it to be a sacrifice for Hashem. So the outer part of the temple, the courtyard of the temple, was about converting the outside world, making the outside world to be holy. The inner sanctum, of the Beis HaMikdash, where the menorah was, and the inner altar was, and the table of Hashem was, they aren't about converting and transforming the outside. And that's why, halachically, you only brought the sacrifices in the outer altar. The inner altar, it was forbidden to bring a sacrifice in the inner altar. The incense was brought in the inner altar. The incense, it's a larger subject, what the incense is, just in short, the Hebrew word for carbon. Uh, comes from the word closeness. 
The Hebrew word for kataras, katar, is translated in Aramaic as connection. So the inner altar is about bonding with Hashem. Not about just being close with Hashem, but being connected to Hashem. Beyond logic and reason. It's not about converting the outside world and elevating the outside world, elevating, making things in this world become closer to godliness and holiness. Rather, the inner sanctum, the inner altar, where the where the Kteris was brought, is is about a it's about an inner bond with Hashem, beyond logic and reason. When you're close to someone, so you're close, but you're not um, one with them. It could be, it could, this could be it could be logical. Your closeness, your attraction, could be all be logical. A connection means it's something which is unshakable, something which 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 can't be taken off, which can't. Uh, the the um, the word that's used in Kabbalah and Chassidus is dveikus. Dveikus means you're attached. Iskashros means that you're connected. When you the, the, in the um, the word that's used to um, the verse that's used to describe dveikus. Um, is a belt. A belt, Davik Bezer must have a de- belt is used to, it's attached, it's attached to you, it's, but it's not, it's close to you, it's not really attached. It's, 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 it, it cleaves to, your, to, your, to you, you're, you're wearing a belt, but then there's a connection. It actually means it's tied, it can't be taken off. It's, that's the inner alt. The inner alt is about making connection with Hashem. It's not about the world, it's not about elevating the world. It's about bonding with Hashem. That's what the inner altar is. Just like there are these two parts of the, of the temple, so to in ourselves. We have a part of ourselves, we have, a, we have a, a divine gift to elevate the world. We are able to take items in the world and elevate them. And we have an inner part of ourselves, which is not about elevating the world, but it's about our own connection with Hashem, which is beyond the world, just bonding with Hashem. The Sif uh, the Shach, in the explanation of the Torah, he says that the menorah is parallel to the study of Torah. And he explains in detail how every part of the menorah, the, the ornaments, how it was decorated with the flowers and the cups and, it, it, and its base and the, the number of the candles, how all of these items parallel and they're the study of Torah. So just like in the outer altar, um, animals were offered to Hashem, so too we have a, the ability to engage and take, we could do mitzvahs. A mitzvah is more about elevating the outside. Every mitzvah is about taking something, a physical object, and making the physical object to be something holy. Make, to make, to, uh, tzitzis, what are tzitzis? Tzitzis is, 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 is wool from a sheep, and now we consecrate this and we turn this into a mitzvah. Tefillin is, no matter how holy the mitzvah tefillin is, what is mitzvah tefillin about? It's about taking it, the height of an animal and converting the animal, the height of an animal and making it into something holier than it was before. It's about changing the physical status of the world. It's about converting the physical to the spiritual. That's what mitzvahs are about. But then there is our study of Torah. Our study of Torah is not about converting and changing the physical. Rather, what is a Torah? The Torah is the wisdom and the will of Hashem. Torah is the words of Hashem. The Torah says about itself, The Torah existed before the world existed. The Torah is not about converting and changing the world. The Torah is the wisdom of Hashem. It has intrinsic value. It's not about um, change. The Torah, when we study Torah, we 
bond with Hashem. Yes, there's also the mitzvah of the study of Torah. And the mitzvah of the study of Torah means you have to say the words of Torah. You don't say the words of Torah, you're not doing the mitzvah. Because you have to also elevate the physical. You also have to elevate your, your, your mouth and the, your words. So that's the mitzvah element within Torah itself. But Torah per se, Torah is the wisdom and the will of Hashem. Therefore, Torah is parallel to the altar. We, um, it's not only with, with, with mitzvahs, it goes lower than that. We, we engage with the physical, we eat and we drink and we do business. We are able to do all those things for the sake of Hashem. We're able to know Hashem whatever we do. So that's our other soul power, which is our external soul power, which is about elevating the world. So we have internal, we have external soul powers. So the question is, why would... Doesn't doesn't really fit to think that the fire, the menorah, which is all about this inner bond we have with Hashem, why would that need to be lit from the outer altar? The outer altar is about elevating the world. The inner sanctum is about bonding with Hashem on a higher, deeper level. It's beyond creation. Let's understand for a second the difference between a to- between the, what the Torah is and what a mitzvah is. A mitzvah. Has every mitzvah has lots of rules of how they work. Mitzvahs aren't very um, fungible. Mitzvahs have the place they're done, the time they're done, and the way they're done. And if they're not done exactly the way they're meant to be done, it's not a mitzvah. Torah study doesn't work that way. If you we, every morning we say the morning sacrifices, right? And the Talmud says, why do we say the morning sacrifices? Because it says in the Talmud that if you study the sacrifices. It is, tent- it is considered as if you have offered a sacrifice. So let's, let's unpack that for a second. So to actually bring a sacrifice, you have to have a temple. You have to be a Kohen. You have to be in Israel. You have to be in Jerusalem. All the Jews have to be in Jerusalem. Mashiachs have to have come. And there are all these details of what a sacrif- how sacrifices are brought. That's for, the, for a mitzvah. But the study of Torah is not limited to time and space. And because it's not limited to time and space, therefore Torah study can accomplish all, all of what a sacrifice accomplishes without all the, without all the rules. Although I'm not a Kohen, I'm not in Israel, and there's no base in English yet, I'm able to study about the Torah and to have, and to have a similar impact. Why? Because Torah is beyond creation. So, you would think, because Torah is beyond creation, you'd think that Torah study is about locking ourselves up above from the world and I don't have to do with anything, anything around us. We would think that while we're studying Torah, our Torah study is not relevant to what we do with other people. We think that our Torah study is one department of our life, the inner sanctum, and there's another part of our life which is about elevating the physical and they're not connected to each other. There are, every Jew has a different role. There's like there are 12 tribes, so to every one of us a different role in this world. There are those whose main preoccupation is to uh, do business. I'm not talking about their main role in life, but the majority of their day. And they spend a lot of time in the outer altar, in the outer sanctum, the courtyard. So the Torah says that in order to have, an, to have a temple, you have to have an inner sanctum, sanctum as well, which means that every single Jew has to have a set time to study Torah. And actually, I mentioned it's not just you, it's a nice thing to do, but every moment you spend studying Torah brings hours of success in your business. So you can't be satisfied with just having the courtyard. Every Jew has to have 
an inner sanctum, has a time to have a time to connect with Hashem personally and deeply, and not to be satisfied. Well, I, I give tzedakah and I have a business. No, you have to. You, every Jew has to have, even though it may not be the largest part of your day. But <clears throat> as Rebbe said so many times, while you study Torah, it should be like Shabbos, not on your phone. You're not answering your phone. And the Rebbe said that if your family knows that this is what you're doing, they'll respect it as well. You have to really have a set time that you're just in, in commun- you're communicating with Hashem, you're hearing the words of Hashem, you're talking to Hashem, you're hearing the words of Hashem, you're studying Torah. But conversely, also those Jews who are Torah scholars, and that's the main preoccupation, and that's what they do, they're in Kolel, they're in Yeshiva, and that's the main thing they're doing. You might think that their Torah study is not relevant to what they do. I mean, of course, it's a part of their day that they're eating and drinking and other stuff too, but you think the Torah study could be pure and be holy without doing anything for the outside world. But it's not true. There was a chassid of the previous Rebbe. His name was Itcha the Masmid. Itcha the Masmid was a Torah scholar of, of a different caliber that, that we were not even, we don't, we, we don't, I don't think any of us know anybody who knows anybody who was in the same caliber of Torah scholar, Kavish of the Masmid. Either way, which the Masmid was once told by the previous Rebbe the following sharp rebuke. Previous Rebbe said to Rebbe, Rebbe, at that time, the, the main call of the hour in, in Stalin, Stalinist Russia, and Communist Russia, was to teach Torah on the ground to children. The previous Rebbe said, If you are involved in teaching Torah to children, then you are mine. If you aren't, you may be Itche, but you're not mine. In other words, that extra distinction, whatever the previous Rebbe meant by saying here is mine, that extra connection that he has with the previous Rebbe, and thereby with all the holiness that he was achieving through his study of Torah and through his prayers, the, um, that, that level uh, could only be achieved by teaching Torah to children. In a similar way, in order for, I may study Torah, but in order for me to experience the light of Torah, it's only if I have an outer altar too. It's only if I have a courtyard as well, which means that I have to spend time trying to help other people as well. Start helping the world as well. And if I don't, I'm missing, I can't light my menorah. My Torah is missing something. My menorah could only be lit from the fire in the outer altar. What's on the outer altar? On the outer altar, there are sacrifices which are brought. What are sacrifices? There are animals. What does that mean? There are people that may be not just, you know, because you're holier than thou and you're so arrogant, but there may be people which actually are considered like animals in comparison to where you are spiritually. They are, uh, you're uh, super couth, okay, it's not a word, but whatever. They're uncouth, right? So you're, you're and, and they are considered like an animal to where you are. And in order for you to be able to really appreciate the light of Torah, your, for your Torah, for your menorah to be lit, it's only by your reaching out and helping others spiritually as well. You can't cut yourself off. Even your Torah study needs the courtyard. It needs the outer altar. It needs you to reach out to people which you think are, 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 are beneath you, which are not, are not, not at the same level. They're not, they're, not, they're not morally refined. They're not intellectual. To you, from your perspective, they are in the realm of the animal. And yet, your inner bonding with Hashem is dependent on your, your reaching out to those people at that level and influencing and inspiring them.
That's why the menorah could only be lit from the fire of the outer altar. The menorah represents the Torah. Where does the Torah come from? It comes from the fire of the outer altar, from an impact on the outside world, from impact on others, especially those which, which seem to have no uh, relationship to, to the realm that, that, that we're in. And that's what I wanted to share today. Any questions or comments? All right, have a great day, David. Great day, Chaim Peretz. Great day, Rebel. We throw it.